0: Morning, good afternoon, good evening, um, whatever it might be, uh, the time of day at least when you've had the opportunity to tune in. Uh, whenever it is, we're just so thankful that you've uh, set time apart from your day uh, to be with us in this conversation on our YouTube video uh, today. Maybe even above more day, other days because this is kind of a we're starting a new series today, and I'm really excited about it, and I, I think it's going to be a special time that uh, as we study together and we move along in the f- next few weeks that. Uh, Maybe that God is something uh, really moving in our hearts uh, set before us. Um, today we're going to be doing a lots of reading uh, really from the scriptures and it's Psalm 24, um, John 19 and 1 Corinthians 2. If you wanted to get set up and, and get ready to go there, um, Psalm 24, John 19 and 1 Corinthians 2. The new series that we're starting today is, is called Who is Jesus? And I would like to use today as kind of an introduction to you and maybe lay the foundation of where, how I got here and really where we're going to be going in the next few weeks. And, uh, and so I'll tell you the way it began really is that, you know, the, church, the What is the Church series it just came to an end. And so two or three weeks ago, I was starting to pray about and really wonder where we might go next. And Angie and I were here at the, at the kitchen table and we were doing our morning devotionals. Uh, we tried to make that just part of our day, that uh, the uh, the process of how we move through the day it starts with uh, Scripture reading together and prayer. And we found ourselves in the Book of Psalms. Now, I don't know if you've ever really studied that too much, but it's just a really uh, very beautiful and intimate writings of people in the Old Testament. They're very honest, they're introspective, and they're intimate, uh, really. they're They're demonstrating... Really, maybe part of all mankind um, throughout their, their writings, um, they never doubt God who He is, and they never blame God for their um, the, whatever they might be going through. But they're asking God questions, and, and I think God is just really He puts this in His Word because He wants us to come to Him with our questions, and, and you know, just to sit there and, and, and not say, "God, I'm blaming you for this," but God. Tell me how I'm supposed to work through this particular uh, moment of my life. Uh, I, I think this series might be timely in the aspect that, my guys, if you're like me, <laughs> it seems like every day I have a new question uh, to ask him because I'm just a little bit more and more um, confused on what might be happening in his world. But anyhow, so we were in the Psalms and we came to Psalm 24. And I'd like to read that to you today, and as I said, we're going to do quite a bit of reading from the Scripture, more than normal, but I I think that's okay with you, and it take a little bit of, uh, the take some time away from me, and we'll just focus on what God has to say primarily. But we're reading along, and this is the whole psalm, and and you can see how the setup is. Um, David is writing this one, and he writes, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. You see, right away, David is saying, God, I'm coming to you with my questions because I know you have the answers, because you have the, the foundations of the world, the understanding in your hands. And so we take our questions uh, to the only one who has the answers, and that is the Creator God, Father. David continues and he says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? How do I get to you, Lord? How, how do I get to navigate through this life? The answer, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, he will receive blessing from the Lord and in vindication from God his Savior, such is the generation of those who seek him. Those who seek your face, O God of Jacob. So lift your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, That the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? That's the question. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Our question. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. And so we read that passage, and I thought, that, that's, the, that's the next series. It just has to be. Because it's truly in all of our hearts. It's like, Lord, we, need, we know you have the answers, and now our question is, explain who you are. Give us a better understanding of who you are, and so we can implement that into our lives so we can better understand who we are. At verse number 10, who is he, the King of glory, the Lord Almighty? He is the King of glory. And that will be the sole subject of our next few weeks of conversation. And who is Jesus? And so with this introduction today, um, we pencil in the next few weeks uh, of uh, our plans. But we hand the permanent marker to God and allow him as the King of kings, the creator of all things, David said, the earth, is the Lord's, and everything in it, including us, including tomorrow. And so we seek his face by asking the question to him, Who's Lord? Who is Jesus? I'd like you to turn your Bible, if you would, to John chapter 19. And once again, we're going to read a, a, quite a bit of verses from 14 all the way to 30. Uh, there's a reason that I want to have such a, a broad scope of the scripture today. And I, I think you'll know why as soon as I start reading. Because we ask the question, who is Jesus? Now if you're familiar with the Gospels and the Bible, you know that uh, the whole story of uh, Jesus' earthly ministry is recorded. Even some parts from when he was born and as a, as a youth. But primarily what we want to hear is, is the stories of how he's moving through the earth and, and, and he's healing people and teaching and all those kind of things. But I'll tell you what, there's, I, I, in my mind, there's a much more important event. And that's where we're going to start. Here's the scripture. I, I, I'll back up again to 14. 14. When Pilate heard these things, he brought Jesus out and set him down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of Pentecost, the day of preparation. It was about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted, Take him away, take him away and crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests, answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross, and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priest of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Now, when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said, to one another, and let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said that they divided my garments among them and cast lots from my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did near the cross of Jesus, stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that time on this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that all was now completed, And so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus says, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, and so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it up to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus says, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. Thought it was important to start today by reading the entirety of that passage, because I wanted us to kind of get a picture of that day. That day. From our vantage point, as we read through this, you would think that the images that would take place in those people's lives, all the people that were involved, would just never leave their consciences. You would think the sights, and the smells, and the noise, and the confusion, and the truly unbelievable brutality would just be something that would just never, ever, ever leave your mind. But if we transported ourselves back to that day, we would know that really crucifixion fiction was a norm in that period of time. It was just business as usual, and this man's in the middle of three crosses, was just another one that nobody cared about that had been cast away by society. From our vantage point, you would think that surely they would have, no- if they would have known, certainly they would not have crucified the King of Kings. Would they have? From our vantage point, we know that on that day, The unbelieving world stood by to mock him. But worse yet, those who claimed to know who he was, those who he had invested into their lives, showed the tendency of the human heart to so often forget, to too many times turn away. But that day, I would sure think that his mother and that very, very small faithful who stood by that day, to them it must have seemed like one of those movies that that you see when the action gets really heavy, a war movie or a, a car wreck scene or something like that where they slow the film down and every movement, every sound is just beat into our minds and our consciousness where we watch it unfold and there's nothing that we miss. It would have been that way that day when the, the words that were said and the actions of the people, every single movement would have been highlighted into these people who loved Jesus and stood and were just transfixed by what was happening and would have been burnt into the soul and they never, ever, ever would have forgot that time when they stood underneath the shadow of the cross. Of the King of Kings. Huh. You know, I've thought about this a bit, you know, and I and I try to put it into the concept of today. And you know, I I don't know if it's really that much different that day than it is today, except just the norms have changed, right? It's still chaos for so many people the brutality of the life just marches through our cultures no matter where we are and it is very much present in our day-to-day age no matter where you might live in this world. Then, just as now, even with the shadow of the cross looming across all of creation and all of time, the unbelieving world stands by and is quick to mock Him. And the cross and to call Him just another one who got crucified that day, someone of important, non, no importance, and someone who was cast away by society. But much, much, much harder to absorb, isn't it, Church? That even for us who claim to know Him, in our own hearts, We show a tendency to forget, and despite our very best efforts, we sometimes seem that we are walking away from the cross unchanged. So I thought, you know, if we want to know who Jesus is, we have to be like the faithful that day, and we have to stay underneath the shadow of His cross. If we want to know who He is, we have to describe it the way it truly was, and it was a horrendously brutal, terrible thing that took place that day, to the One who is the King of Kings, the King of Glory, the One who we say is Jesus. But we also have to know that this was no misfortune of events that God lost control of and the world won, but it was in fact the sole reason Of why God himself left the throne because in the shadow of the cross when we stare intently we become more and more aware that this was a mission of love that God came to offer the world forgiveness and the opportunity to someday live with him eternally it wasn't the end of anything But in fact, it was the fulfillment, it was the completed work of all that God had planned, even before the foundations of the world in order to redeem those whom He loves. (laughs) So I don't know about you, but if I try to get this into my head, I've got a lot of questions, just like David did in the Psalms. How can this be, Lord? How on earth could I ever approach you in your beauty? But he asks us to come in and sit beneath the cross and ask questions. Who is this King of glory? He is the Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. And so my hope in the coming weeks is that if we stay huddled beneath the cross and do it together Uh, 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 and maybe study who He is. It'll be different for us from now on. We won't ever again forget. We won't ever walk away. We won't ever approach a day or perhaps even another minute as simply as business as usual. We won't be able to look away from His beauty when the world of chaos and brutality spins out of control around us. It'll be the shadow of the cross where we find our peace and we find our understanding. Because in the power of the cross is found everything in the lives of those who seek to know Him most. There's a great passage in Scripture in 1 Corinthians. Chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, the buildup is that Paul is coming to this Uh, um, this society, this group of people, and I've said this before, not unlike us completely because they were rich and they had everything they needed and all they had to do was sit around and discuss all these things that were uh, worldly and, and really nothing of great importance. But they were educated and they were rich and they were talented. Not much different than today. And Paul comes to these people seeking to get the church in order, and he says these words When I came to you, this is chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Listen to this For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul said, I wanted to know nothing except for to sit in the shadow of the cross and ask Him questions, and I want you all to come and join with me. So my idea in the coming weeks is that we're going to stay there. Right in the shadow of the cross, in this passage of Scripture from John that I read initially, in the shadow of the cross, and do the best we can to get to know who Jesus is. And I have an idea, in order to analyze Him, is to look at the words that He said. When He was on that cross that day, He had seven statements, seven phrases. And you would think that if the God Almighty is hanging on the cross, and even if it was just a small group of faithful who were underneath there, listening to His words, He was telling them things that were vitally important. And so perhaps if we draw on those, we can gain not only an increased understanding of who Jesus is, but we might also find a better, clearer statement of who He wants us to be as we move in this world. So the format in the coming weeks is that, um, this is my idea at least so far, is that we'll take a statement by the King of Glory to know Him And then if we are able, if he'll allow us the understanding, we'll make that into a life application for us so we can know ourselves better too. Just to give you kind of an idea of where we're going, and once again, all these notes are, if you put the drop down on on this YouTube video, you'll find these notes and you can read them, print them off or whatever. But in Luke 23, 34, as the Roman soldiers stood by and gambled for his clothes, He'd already endured a a couple days of beatings and spit and and just torture, really. The people that he came to save, the the Jewish people who yelled, Crucify him, were now standing around mocking him. (laughs) Who is Jesus? He's the King of glory. With nails in his hands and his feet and thorns in his head. And whipped stripes all over his body. Looked at them and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. (laughs) Also in Luke chapter 23, to the remorseful thief, the one who who, who was hanging beside him, who was being punished for crimes that he did, he looked at the innocent Savior and asked him, Show me the way. To which Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. In the 19th chapter of John, which we read earlier just a moment ago, it says to his terrified, heartbroken, confused mother. He looks at her in pity and and he says, dear woman, here is your son. And to the only disciple, John, who stood by him, who had the nerve and the strength and the faithfulness to stand there on that day, he said, here is your mother. In Matthew 27 and Mark 15, I just can't wait till we get there and so we can sit under the cross and find out why why on that day God himself hung from that cross and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I can't wait to get that unpacked and let the word of God change me. Verse thirty of nineteen the life application possibilities really are endless when Jesus hung there and he says I thirst. Next we have John nineteen thirty. When Jesus says it is finished, it's an important place because it is a statement that for our understanding of those who have ears to hear. It is a statement that encompassed all the entirety of history of mankind, even before one of us came to be. The ultimate fulfillment of God's plan to redeem those he loved. And then finally that day on the cross, Luke 23 records that he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. I can't wait to look through this words of Jesus as he stood or excuse me, as He hung on the cross that day. I can't wait to know Him more, and and, and I I can't wait to put these things in in my life, and I can't wait to get myself into the habit, and I hope you as well, of never turning away, never walking away, never ever being led astray again. So next week we're going to start in that, John chapter 19, verse 30 it is finished if you want to look ahead and just as a head up how, you know if we get there and the understand that he said it was finished uh, you know maybe just to help this week get set in the course if the king of kings jesus hung on the cross and he says it is finished how can we ever again concern ourselves with anything that this world might be throwing at us the chaos the brutality, the question marks, <laughs> the unforeseen things that seem to be popping up daily in our lives now. When everything of importance was accomplished that day, when the words of the King of Kings said, it's all taken care of. Well guys, God bless you in this week as you go through this. And wherever you are, I I, I hope you know that there's somebody praying for you because if I don't know you by name, I'm praying for you nonetheless as a participant, as a part of this conversation. So in this world, in this week, stand under the shadow of the cross. Love you guys and take care.